0: Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full-spectrum source for all things music, insight, and opinion. My name is Bill, and I'm joined here today with Steve. Yo. <laughs> so what's up, buddy? What's up, man? Um, For those of you listening, right now we do not have your third favorite co-host, Connor. Yeah. I I don't know where he's at today.
1: Um, He said he was getting involved with some NASA program. Oh, he's going to. They the talked about yeah. Put try, uh, there was a State of the Union address a little while ago, and they were talking about having the uh, an American be the first person on Mars. So Connor signed up. <laughs> he Wants to be the first person on Mars. I mean, you know, maybe he's up there to you know
0: put the Rage Against the Mainstream flag. That's pretty much you know? yeah. like almost like the moon landing. They yeah. put the the you know the United well, States flag it, he,
1: up there. Yeah, he was going to bring an R A T M podcast flag. Yeah. stuffed under his, you know, spacesuit. So when he was going to land out the American flag, he was going to pull a, little, uh, a flim the switch flam around him. Yeah, the old flim <laughs> flam. Yeah.
0: Well, Godspeed to God Connor. Godspeed, Connor.
1: <laughs>
0: so I would like to ask you if you had anything new or interesting this week, but me and you kind of have the same, same exactly. consensus. And oh, yeah. The same new and interesting. Yep. For what we are referring to is if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't heard it yet, then there's probably an issue with you, Um, the new Lamb of God single, Checkmate. Checkmate.
1: Off the self-title that will be releasing in May. Yeah. So first initial reaction what did you think it's funny because my first initial reaction i'm a little bit of a bias when it comes to like chris adler lamb of god i think uh ashes of the wake is one of those albums that's undeniably good it blends thrash death that has like a core vibe so it appeals to that crowd as well as well as people like me that's more traditional like lamb of god is just one of those bands where almost anybody who's like an elitist to core fans that can yes. just genuinely agree that it's just great music
0: now i think that lamb of god even transcends to the point where even if you're not even into the core or even the heavier shit yeah. like if you're just a general rock music fan chances yeah. are you know a lamb of yeah god because song. it's just
1: the 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 guitar work um even the yeah. drumming now with our crews is even still good uh my opinion like with this song specific um it doesn't have that real unique Chris Adler sound, but it's good enough where it fits that, like, Mark Morton's guitar work is just unbelievable. And Randy Blythe, obviously, is exactly. still putting out the same type of aggression. Just sounds awesome. And it's funny because the first time I heard the song, I was like, eh. And I listened to it because it's the only one on there. Yeah. So sometimes when it's like my phone's in my pocket and it's done, I'll just press play again just to repeat it instead of going searching for a new song. So I yes. listened to that song at one point, like, five times in a row. And I was like, all right. Well, I I really want to hear this fucking album. There's
0: definitely like a sense of unity within like them now with our crews. I mean, he has yeah. been in the band for like what? Like almost four
1: years. Yeah, well yeah.
0: And he was also touring with Mark Morton. Well, actually I don't thing. know if he was the drummer
1: four years because Chris Adler did the Burn the Priest recording when they were in the middle of the hiatus, that Legion XX album that was all yeah. covers. Chris Adler was a part of that.
0: Okay, well, Art Cruz took over right after Chris broke his collarbone or yeah, shoulder or whatever took it was over on tour. yeah, so I mean, he's been in there for a while. You could definitely tell that they're like a collective unit. Yeah. I mean, as far as the Chris Adler aspect, it's always going to be missed because yeah. I don't feel like there's any drummer currently now in the scene that's able to do the shit that he does yeah, or not even do the shit that he does. Because it's all like rudiments and stuff. yeah. But the fact of like how much of like a machine this fucking guy well, it's, is. It's
1: just especially in like the metal and extreme metal, I guess you could say, that will incorporate death, black, thrash, all yeah. those types. Chris Adler is one of those guys where it's um, you can hear someone's guitar tone and know it's them. Chris Adler the and really him. defines himself out of that scene because you could listen to like Behemoth um, Old Man's Child. You can listen to all these types of bands with like really extreme drumming, you know, yeah. Dark Funeral. But it's it, you can't really define like, all right, you know, if he played on a different album, that drummer doesn't sound unique enough to know exactly. But Chris Adler's drumming is just
0: honestly, you know. I can only think of like four drummers right now off the top of my head where you can know that it's them. One is Dave Grohl, yeah, because he's just like that power hitter drummer kind of guy, yeah. The second is Sean Kenny from Allison Chains because I feel like his style is so unique that yeah. there's no one that plays like him. Mm-hmm. Maybe Matt Cameron, maybe. Yeah. But Matt Cameron's kind of like a blend of those yeah, two. And if you
1: go back even earlier, like Keith Moon had a very unique style, yeah. like John Bonham. I mean, a lot of those guys, but like even if so like you see some of the drummers you've named they play in a genre where it's easier for them to separate themselves like that extreme metal genre i mean other than dave lombardo the other one's gene hoagland well gene hoagland you can tell it's him he's yeah he's probably the only one i could say stands out to that genre that's like okay you know that's gene
0: hoagland gene hoagland and then chris adler
1: yeah i mean that that's the thing dave lombardo too dave Lombardo, yes.
0: But like, there's just something with Chris Adler. I mean, I'm not saying by any means that this song is like suffering because nah, he's I don't not think it in is. it. Yeah, I
1: think it's still well done. <laughs> it could have
0: been like way, way yeah, better if yeah. he was in it.
1: And it's it's a, the the guitar riffs in this song are yeah, so and it's cool. fucking cool. Cool. I even thought to myself like, damn, like Chris would have tore this dude, shit. He would have fucking dude. destroyed it. Yeah.
0: But I mean, all in all, I feel like it was a good song. I'm excited to hear what the rest of the album. I'm gonna definitely look like. excited for the album. I bro. mean, it was like me and you were talking before, you know. Like, you don't base the album off the first single because no. the first single is usually the worst song. Yeah, and Lame of God. Land of God world.
1: Yeah, they usually release, like, the, if you look at go back at all their... Uh you know, bigger releases. We mentioned specifically Sacrament. Like yeah. Redneck's probably the weakest song on that album yeah. overall compared to like technicality and just how much effort it seems as opposed to being like a radio type song. Exactly. So like Lamb of God and even like Ashes of the Wake, there's like three songs on there that are like Laid of the yeah. Rest was like their known song.
0: Exactly. But, like and
1: Hourglass, Faded Line. Exactly. Yeah. I feel
0: like Laid to Rest is probably one of the weaker songs. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, mean compared- then again that breakdown's like super iconic. You know, like Blood of the See Scribes.
1: But that's what I'm saying. That's like that bring you in song. Yeah, exactly. You listen to the rest of the album. It's just unrelenting. Hourglass
0: is fucking nasty. Yeah, dude. Hourglass is probably my favorite Lamb of God song. So good. I love that song. So good. But anyways, if you guys haven't checked it out yet, the song is called Checkmate, and I believe it's streaming on all platforms and
1: YouTube and everywhere. They got pretty much. You type in Lamb
0: of God, it's going to show up.
1: Yeah, it'll be the first thing.
0: And um, yeah, so that's our new and interesting for this week. On this day in music history,
1: 1963, the Rolling Stones get their first steady gig at London Station Hotel performing on Sundays in the Crawdaddy room for a grand total of $67 a week.
0: That's fucked up.
1: <laughs> I mean, what is $67 a week though in 1963? You know what I mean? I mean, that's not horrible but for what we know the rolling stones as now yeah that's a little
0: fucking. humble beginnings
1: oh yeah <laughs> and you can get your start here 67 we may get you out there one day you could be playing venues uh, for 67 exactly do you want
0: to be you know our uh What's the word I'm looking for here?
1: Diamond in the rough.
0: Diamond in the rough. Are you looking to have a residency here, a resident? <laughs> rage-
1: yeah, residency? like how uh, <laughs> you know that one of the douchebags that plays Madison Square Garden all the time. Yeah, yeah, you can come on here. We'll put your music out there. 1969, Jimi Hendrix Experience play their final UK concert at London's Royal Albert Hall. You know, it's funny. Royal Albert Hall seems to be like. The venue for like aging ending like rock experiences yeah. like Cream played there, yeah. That was like their ending, you
0: know. Well, what's the Royal Albert Hall is probably equivalent to like what like the Trocadero here, or the Electric Factory here. Like it's not like super huge,
1: yeah, but it's still like maybe the film still like orchestra venue. It's not like a standing okay. type setup. Maybe like a uh, Union uh, Transfer. Yeah. Give or take. I would almost say it's almost like just a smaller indoor arena. I mean, of okay. the sense of like the Wells Fargo Center, just with less seating. Okay. It's more exclusive in that sense. I mean, it's Royal Albert Hall. I mean, that's yeah. probably fucking ridiculous yeah 1985 david crosby escapes from the fair oaks hospital in new jersey where he has been sentenced to drug rehab uh the next day he is caught in greenwich village and arrested for cocaine possession damn yeah i it's funny because there's actually a documentary my body watch on david gilmore oh okay um and he it's funny to know or not david gilmore david crosby uh david crosby it's funny because i was listening to like crosby stills and nash and um I didn't realize like how fucked up he was. Yeah, but like the entire documentary just surrounds David Crosby, and dude, he was oh shit. Yeah, he was like you know, like your regular like straight drug addict. <laughs> and you think of some of the music that they play, you wouldn't think like David Crosby was like super. Yeah, fucked right. Up. Yeah, but he was pretty fucked up. 1992, Kurt Cobain of Nirvana and Courtney Love of Hole are married in Hawaii with a non-denominational female minister conducting the ceremony. There's a uh, fellow companion on the show who's not here today who probably have a lot to say about this moment. This yeah. is he'd he be like, This is the downfall. This is when it started. This is the first line into the end of Kurt Cobain. Um <laughs> shouldn't have done it.
0: I wish I could go back in time and end this. Yeah,
1: this this would be like if you had the opportunity to go back to eleven twenty two sixty three for prevent the JFK assassination. Yeah. This would be Connor's moment that, to go this back is in a, time.
0: No, this is like uh, the scene of back to the future. Wait, I have a time machine, I can go back to whenever I want.
1: Connor's would be to go back to February twenty fourth, nineteen ninety two. Gotta stop this marriage. <laughs> when they say, "Does anybody here have anything they'd like to say before these two be wed?" All of a sudden, yeah, some random dude from the future. No, you understand what this is going to cause? She's going to kill you. You know, be even funnier though, Connor does that and then lives his whole life, and Kurt Cobain dies anyway. So it like oh had God. nothing to do with Kurt Cobain. His whole life's work is just completely defeated. <laughs> <laughs> and Hero
0: never came out. Yeah.
1: Oh. <laughs> Connor. I don't know where Connor be today, but definitely listen to more Neil Young. He would anything else there. <laughs> 1993, Eric Clapton wins big at the Grammy Awards. Uh, he's taking three awards for Tears in Heaven, two more for his album Unplugged, and Best Rock Song for his acoustic version of Layla.
0: Another person that Connor doesn't find uh, appealing at all.
1: Yeah, which is weird because especially that Unplugged album, like it Dude. is super... It, like it's just very well known to be a great album, but it is that good. Like, well, it is it's very regarded good. as
0: one of the best unplugged albums of all time, I and mean, it is good. I mean, dude, that acoustic version of Layla is insane. It's excellent,
1: yeah. And he makes it like a swing dance type yeah. style. Like, it's just very well done. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it is very good.
0: Clapton's the fucking dude. No one could say
1: otherwise. Yeah, Tears in Heaven was a great song dude, too. Absolutely, but that unplugged album, yeah, yeah, Connor doesn't know what he's missing. Nineteen ninety five. Dave Matthews band make their first appearance on national T V when they perform the hit. What would you say on the late show with David Letterman?
0: what'd you say?
1: That's like the only Dave Matthews song I know. Uh Crash Into oh, Me Crash. or whatever that's called. Yeah. yeah. That's the other one. It was
0: on like, it was in like Joe Dirt, I think, too. Yeah yeah i'm not
1: yeah. i'm not a dave matthews guy oh my
0: god my fucking sister posted some shit about her listening to like a jack johnson album or something yeah. on facebook the other day and i okay, was like uh, i was like i know i taught you better than that yeah it's
1: funny that you mentioned that because like my stepsister huge dave matthews follower really jack johnson uh, yeah I'm not that's not me yeah I'm not doing that 1998 Pamela, Not on this episode at least <laughs> no <laughs> but that's the thing it's not even in private no. There's not even like a moment where it's like I'm sitting there like oh, I'll just let this ride. I'm by myself. It's like no, like I'll listen. Dave to Dave Matthews play. is one of those dudes where I just can't stand his, him. Can't stand it. Can't stand it. Yeah, like John Mayer is just like a better version of what that music could be.
0: Yeah, but the thing is with John Mayer is you actually know he could play his instrument. That's what I'm saying. Like he's yeah. an incredible guitar yeah. player, and it's just like you know it's not his fault, I guess per se, that he's a pop star
1: because of his yeah. voice. But his blue shit's really good. Yeah, he got suffered into that category. Yeah, yeah.
0: Dave Matthews ain't got shit. Poor. Guy.
1: 1998. Pamela Anderson Lee calls 911 after getting in a heated altercation with her husband. We all know him as Tommy Lee from the extraordinary Bam Motley crew At their Malibu home, Tommy is arrested and spends three months in jail for spousal abuse. Damn, God, what a what a tough guy. Three <sighs> months in jail for being a douche.
0: I mean, then again, dude, like, you know, it's like back to the whole, like, Katy Perry thing you, that we were talking about a while ago. Like, yeah, she's hot and everything, but we don't know what she's like behind closed doors. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is Pam Landers, but we really don't know what she's like behind closed well, doors. Well, I Maybe mean... she's a fucking nut. I mean, I'm not going to agree with spousal abuse by nah, any yeah, means, yeah, yeah. but... I mean, how do we know that she wasn't, like, picking a fight?
1: Yeah, there isn't really. It just says heated altercation. I mean, the guy goes to three months for spousal abuse. So, I mean, to the extent of whatever the report may have been, you know, mm-hmm. probably said he laid hands on her, which we don't know to the truth to that extent at this yeah. point in time. But um, Tommy Lee's still a douchebag, so I could give a fuck. Giant, giant yeah, douchebag. Huge, bag. huge douche.
0: You know, it's kind of like the fucking subpar drummers in bands are always, like, the douchebag.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, um, pretty much the entire. You know, it's funny. Mick Morris is probably the coolest one of Motley Crue as a person. Oh, absolutely. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, even Nikki Sixx was okay, but he's still a douche. They're all like, yeah. And Vince Neil, forget about <laughs> it. Did you
0: see the thing online where he did, um, you know that that thing called Cameo where you could pay like stars to like video chat and stuff? And, like, oh send yeah, yeah, yeah 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 There's yeah. a viral one where someone just paid Vince Neil four hundred dollars to wish somebody a happy birthday. And he's like slurring his words and shit
1: so we took a little pause there so I could actually watch this fucking FaceTime thing. They paid this guy $400. Four hundred So Vince Neil got $400. He literally got a script that was maybe a paragraph to read. Maybe. Probably read half of it. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was cheesy.
0: It was very cheesy. With a bunch of the doesn't matter. You're getting
1: paid $400. Read the fucking paragraph. He didn't even read the whole thing. No. And it, to set the tone, it looked like he was like on his balcony at some hotel, like he's been drinking mimosas all morning. Yeah. I mean, he looked like your stereotypical dad on vacation with his little <laughs> bent brim hat, his sunglasses, his little <laughs> scruffy gray beard. <laughs> Motherfucker couldn't even... He couldn't even read the whole paragraph. 4-0, <laughs> <Four-oh, laughs>
0: four oh, brother. I mean, that's
1: that's so sad. Like, you're Dude. getting paid $400. I get your Vince Neil. Your ball is probably pretty much in his court at all times. Yeah, in those exactly. Circumstances, but you can't even have like at least the minimal amount of respect to record a thirty second thing to just send to this guy. It's very sad, but then he'll keep going out there and pumping out shows that were expected to pay tickets for. Like
0: you know, like fun. I said before on an earlier episode, I'd never pay money to see I would Motley never Crew again.
1: Yeah, I don't even. Honestly, even if it said like, hey, these tickets are a dollar, it's like still that brutal of a show that it's like that's still paying a dollar to have a bad time. So
0: you have forty dollars to buy a Motley Crue ticket or forty dollars to buy cheeseburgers.
1: In that case, yeah, we're going with the cheeseburger alternative. Yeah. <laughs> we'll call that, that's what we're going to call that, the old cheeseburger alternative. Cheeseburger when we find a band that we can't stand about, I'm taking the cheeseburger alternative. That's perfect. I <laughs> yeah, <like> that. That's <laughs> a neat thing. <laughs> little truth tree right there. <laughs> the cheeseburger alternative, old Motley Crue. Uh, n- 1998, Elton John is knighted by Queen Elizabeth II becoming, as we know him, Sir Elton John, during a ceremony at Buckingham Palace. I'm
0: surprised it took that long.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, because he was huge in the seventies. Huge, so, uh, mega yeah.
0: superstar in the seventies.
1: Yeah, it's not like some like rock and roll Hall of Fame thing. Where well, I guess maybe
0: that. they had to wait until he was like old and like washed up and shit. Like, yeah, where he, there's got to be some. He wasn't gonna be like crazy man. Well, think anymore. about like Paul
1: McCartney. Yeah, you know how that took a pretty long time too for him to be knighted. Yeah, but I think it might be
0: because of like the whole like rock star thing. Like once you're knighted, I guess it, you have a certain level of like like uh like respect or you know um. Like responsibility to not be like an world. asshole. Yeah, yeah, and then you're like that's probably why Ozzy's not Sir
1: Ozzy. Yeah, they couldn't have him being part of the royal uh, constriction over there. Whatever yeah. goes on, <laughs> Sir Ozzy Osborne. Sir Ozzy, <laughs> Sir Ozzy, you can't be taking any more opiates. You got to stop using drugs and drinking. <laughs> Bloody hell! <laughs> you take it, like shove it up your fucking ass. <laughs> Yeah, he ain't doing all that. Stick up your ass. Nineteen ninety nine, Lenny Kravitz wins his first Grammy when Fly Away is named Best Male Rock Vocal Performance. Um it's his first in four consecutive wins in the category, followed by American Woman Again and Dig In. I don't remember again or dig in. I remember dig in.
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm I'm not familiar, but I do know Fly Away and American, American Woman.
1: Woman yeah. Which is weird. I mean American Woman is essentially cover, right? It is a cover, it's 100%. Cover.
0: And I don't even think it was on one of his albums. I think it was just on the Austin Powers fucking Spy Who Shagged Me album. Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. I think I got a Grammy for it. Whatever. It was a good cover. I'll give it to him. Yeah, it. it's alright. 2008, a statue of departed ACDC lead singer Bon Scott is unveiled in his hometown of Fremantle, Australia. Um, I already made this very clear. Bon Scott ACDC is the only ACDC I fuck with.
0: Yeah. It's that good. I mean, I like I said, I do like the Brian Johnson shit too, but yeah, Bon Scott will ever be known as the, like um, me and Nicole were talking about the other day, I don't know how we got on the topic of uh, ACDC, but um, it was like ACDC has like those songs that you'll always remember. Like you think yeah. about it. Anyone in the world, you can probably walk up to anybody and just play like the first two notes of fucking Highway to Hell or Back in Black. Back so, in Black, I mean, they yeah. know it.
1: Yeah, everybody knows it. Well, I think a lot of that's radio play too. You yeah. figure the songs that get radio play, Back in Black, yeah, uh, Highway to Hell. And it's funny because there's a lot of great Bond Scott songs that like don't get radio play the same way like songs all yeah. back in black, yet, you know that's what I mean? true. It's um. It's kind of sad. I mean, the, but that's just I mean, Back in Black is that album. Yeah. It's literally the, It was
0: the album that came out the perfect time. It, yeah. Honestly. Like if that album was any like older or newer than it was, it probably wouldn't have done what it did. Yeah. It was just it was just a time.
1: Yeah. But it's it's a shame too, because like ACDC's trajectory, I don't think they would have been any less notable if Bon Scott lived. It's not like like we were just talking about it. Like yeah. with Sid Barrett dying, Pink Floyd propelled because of yes. David Gilmore, and Roger Bars and what they did. Whereas like if Bon Scott lived, I don't think Brian Johnson, AC/DC, not existing wouldn't have made AC/DC any less popular. Exactly. And I, I think, agree with that. Yeah, because I think everything Bon Scott did mm-hmm. had just the same quality and yep. potential to be radio hits constantly. I mean, Highway to Hell, it's just... Dude. You know it. Like yeah, Everybody knows. Yeah. It.
0: Dirty Deeds, TNT, yeah. come on. And dude. that's a lot
1: of Angus, though, because Angus never really changed his... Yeah, that's his true. Consistent riffs that he was putting out like style
0: uh, yeah dude if you want blood oh yeah like dude that dirty deeds yeah dude all those fucking songs we we can go down the list of those of the bond scott songs
1: oh yeah 2019 queen with adam lambert on vocals open the oscars with a medley of we will rock you and we are the champions the biopic bohemian rhapsody goes on to win four awards more than any other film at the ceremony
0: now, do you feel like that was just because of what it was or do you feel like that movie was that good to where it where it they deserved to get four
1: so Oscars. We talk about perfect timing. I mean, this yeah. is a movie about a singer of one of the most notable bands in history. Yep. one of the best vocalists of anybody's time that's still alive to this point in, you know, the world. Um but yeah, I think a lot of it had to do with timing because again, it was like it focused around him being gay, yeah. um, you know, the obviously with the AIDS and then obviously what's going on in this country today. So yep. then you had that appeal factor um, as well as just being able to have a biopic movie about such a really known band that hadn't been put out at this point in time. So I think it was a perfect storm. I think the movie was good. Yeah, I, I, I don't still have yet to see it. It's very good. Yeah, and um. Uh, Rami, what's his name? Ramey, R- Rami Malek. Rami Malik, And it yeah. was Ramey, Rami. Rami Malik. he plays Freddy very well. Yeah. Like, put it this way. I thought Rocket Man, because it had a shitload of musical concepts in it where it just broke into musical all of yeah. a sudden. I thought Rocket Man was a better movie for the movie parts. I thought the acting okay. was done. I thought it was more darker. I thought it was more sincere and just a well-done film. But there were so many musical parts in it that just made it, like, fucking annoying. Uh, and then okay. Bohemian Rhapsody... I think it was like less of a quality film. There was inaccuracies, right? There were so, but both of them, though. But there always yeah. is in these, you know, types of movies. But at the same exact time, just the cool thing about it was they narrowed in on just kind of like the rise of Queen briefly to kind of get the idea of like what they went through. How Bohemian Rhapsody was apparently never going to be a radio hit because it was so yeah. long and little did they fucking know. <laughs> um, and then it leads up to the live concert. Yeah, but I think it was good. I don't think it should have been so. Hailed as like this phenomenal movie to win all these awards, I think against the competition, it made sense. And I think because of the time, it made sense.
0: Now, raging against the mainstream here. Do you feel like Bohemian Rhapsody was as good as or better than Straight Outta Compton?
1: Overall, I think Straight Out of Compton was better. You do, yeah. Okay, yeah, because Straight Out of Compton was just because I hail that as like probably one of the
0: best music movies. It is
1: one of the best like biopics where it's not strictly documentary and yeah. you know, actors portraying these people. Um, I think the storyline of Queen, and that's even for me, like the storyline of Queen is more interesting. I'm a huge Queen fan, yeah. but Straight Out of Compton was just a better movie. It Dude, was just I more entertaining, and Compton. it's a true story to the extent of, like, obviously there are, there are dramatics, you know, in yeah. a lot of them, but yeah, straight out content, I think was better overall.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> that, was like, that was, like, my main thing, because yeah. I think I judge music movies upon...
1: How they stack up against Straight That's out the whole point. You want to watch it as a movie at the same yeah, exact time. Exactly. But it's and again, you're limited to so much because you're still going off the truth value. Yeah. To you know, extent you will obviously dramatize certain things. Well, it's
0: like I said before, like I feel like if they made straight out of Compton, not called it straight out of Compton and based it not off of NWA. Could have been a just movie. It could have just been an incredible yeah. movie. Yeah. Like insanely good movie.
1: Yeah. And just just like the same thing with Bohemian Rhapsody, it's just kind of like that. Overdone storyline of just, you yeah. know, guys rising to stardom and then obviously dealing mm-hmm. with hardships. Um, and Rami Malek, it's interesting because I actually watched the show Mr. Robot, which is a really fucking cool show that he's in, and um, I didn't know him outside of that. Then he got yeah. this role, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool," because I just started watching the show. So that was interesting to see. And he did a very well done job. But again, I mean, it's he's just, a good actor. Yeah, it was a good. Like I said, because you haven't seen it yet, no, I still, it's still like when I say like anything over a five, this is like I would put that in like that seven eight category because it's okay. just worth a view, and you will enjoy it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely want to watch that. Yeah, definitely. All
0: right. Music News. Today in Music News, February 24th, 2020. First thing we have here is uh, Firefly Music Festival's uh, lineup was announced for this year. Um, The festival is coming back to the Woodlands in Dover, Delaware uh, from June 18th to the 21st. Uh, The festival is absolutely stacked. Interesting choice of words. Um, Headliners include Rage Against the Machine, Billie Eilish, Halsey, Blink-182, Khalid, and Maggie Rogers. Now, out of these ones, I can only say that I've ever legitimately listened to Rage Against the Machine and Blink-182. Firefly Music Festival kicks off June 18th, runs into June 21st. The official schedule hasn't been released yet. Official passes went on sale February 3rd, general admission Passes start at two hundred and ninety nine dollars. Yeah, and you know there's other. The other member of our podcast here was talking about going to this, and I don't think I could justify spending two hundred and ninety nine dollars just to see Ray Johnson machine.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there are some other acts on here. I mean, like Little Dickie. Um, the band is on here. David is Lee Roth, the band Camino. I don't know who they are. Uh, you Big know who the Boys band don't... Camino is? Do I?
0: Yeah. I suggest their shit all the time.
1: So that yeah, but that's not they don't appeal. Yeah, long well, yeah, you probably Yeah, I'm not just, I'm, I'm just using this as a rationale yeah. that is still not <laughs> inclusive in the two hundred, nearly three hundred dollars of bands that I would be willing to pay to exactly. Diplo. Um, David Lee Roth. I wouldn't spend
0: <laughs> Connor. Connor even tried to use that as like a tactic <laughs> to get me to go. He's that. like he's like David Lee Roth's gonna be there. I said, dude, I saw David Lee Roth in 2015 and he sucked. And I watched live videos of him last week opening for Kiss and he sucked then too.
1: Cage the Elephant, Noah Cyrus, um, Space Jesus, Uh, yeah, and Run the Jewels is pretty decent. Um, But I mean, again, yeah, this is really narrowed down for like our like. I mean, the only bands I could really see me. Glorious Sons, Group Love, the Struts. These are all just, like, every band you've ever heard on, like, 104.5 or 933. MMR. Yeah. yeah. MMR yeah.
0: fucking loves the Struts, dude. I know. They play them all fucking time. fucking time. time. Dude. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I don't think they're bad like or anything. Like, heavy, too. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't think they're bad, but I don't go out of my way to listen to them.
1: Yeah. They, they did really a pretty decent cover
0: of Dancing in the Street, though. Yeah,
1: I bet they did. Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, this is you're asking yourself, are you going to spend $300 going to go see Rage Against the Machine? And the funny Pretty thing much. about that is because of their hiatus for as long as it's been, I guarantee you if they did a demographic of the money spent on these tickets. Rage Against the Machine would be number one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why they're billed before. And I guarantee you there's even people that are huge Billie Eilish fans. Like, how are they billed before her? <laughs> how...
0: So sad. Yeah. So well, <laughs> well, speaking of which, going into our next topic here in music news, Billie Eilish is the first woman to win all four major Grammys in one night. Yeah. Uh, the 18 year old was recognized for some of her chart topping songs for her debut album, When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? Well, technically, we don't go anywhere when we go to sleep. Maybe. Is that the answer to that question?
1: <laughs> you gotta kind of just like t- t- the memes they make of her is just so funny because like some of her lyrics, like you know when I'm sad I'm cry I cry and people are like oh no that's so deep and <laughs> innovative you're
0: so beautiful. Um, she won five out of the six awards she was nominated for, taking home wins in the four biggest categories, which include Song of the Year. Best new artist, album of the year, and record. Dude, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, my God. This is where our music Uh, is. Christopher Cross was the first person ever to win all four awards back in 1981. Who the fuck is Christopher Cross? (laughs) Now, uh, (laughs) Eilish is the second person and the first female to win all four major Grammy categories in one night, with Cross being 29 the year that he won. Eilish is also the youngest to sweep the four awards at age 18.
1: This is, again, the... (sighs) um... Perfect time. All
0: right. Well, going into actual talent and actual vocal <laughs> abilities here, the next thing we have in music news is Jerry Cantrell is working on a new solo album. Hmm. Um, Alice in Chains co-founder Jerry Cantrell is looking forward to a busy year, despite his main band taking some time off. Uh, Cantrell released two solo albums, including a double album, around the turn of the century and has uh, contributed music to films and other artists in the uh, intervening years. Um. Kentrell recently announced a partnership with Gibson Guitars and in a conversation with Caesar Gulikan Gulikian Gull, how would you pronounce that Goo well, Yeah um on Gibson's YouTube channel uh he revealed plans to release more solo material before getting back to it with Alice and Chains Um, He said, we're going to take a year off, so I thought maybe I'll do some shows. I'm working on some new music as well. There's going to be some exciting things. I don't want to say just yet what's happening, but there's going to be some cool shit happening this year. Um, when he asked about the, when he was asked about the nature of his new music, uh, he confirmed there there will be some acoustic driven songs and there's some heavy stuff. It's a cool mix of both. How do you feel about the Jerry solo albums, like Boggy Depot and Dedication Trip? They're like okay. That? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, like Boggy yeah. Depot a lot. Yeah. I mean, then again, I'm a huge fucking Alice in Chains fan, so all this shit really appeals to me. Yeah. I'm excited for this.
1: Yeah, I um, I'm not like, I don't know if you're going to put the words just because it's kind of like um Alice in Chains like related. You no know, music and the sake of Jerry Cantrell. Like I'm a Jerry Cantrell fan, so I'll listen to it. Yeah. Um, I I mean, again, going back to like, when we talk about Lamb of God, like there's certain artists when they release an album, like I'm actually very excited for it. Yeah, it's exactly. like, I'm definitely going to listen to it. I like his acoustic stuff. Oh dude. I like awesome. his slow down shit. He's actually a very talented musician overall. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked for this. Nice. Yeah. And the last thing here in music news is Leonard Skinner
0: plane crash documentary titled street survivors is released. Um, a new documentary film that chronicles the plane crash that killed several members of Leonard Skinner in October of 1977 is set for a release. Street Survivors, the true story of the Leonard Skinner plane crash, premiered February 16th in Hollywood. Uh, the documentary tells the story of the plane crash from the prospective former Leonard Skinner drummer Artemis Pyle, who survived the crash and helped pull other members of the band and entourage out of the wreckage afterwards uh Pyle consulted with screenwriter and director jared Kahn on the documentary for historical accuracy accuracy and in a press release announcing the film's released he says he's pleased with the results uh the film's story my story is not just about the plane crash but also about my personal relationship with the genius that was ronnie van zandt who i loved loved like a brother and still miss to this day
1: yeah um i'm super excited for that i think um Especially in this world, you know, with the whole, like, the 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 mix of, like, you know, the Confederate flag and everything that people, like, knock on. Yeah. Um, Leonard Skinner is just one of those bands, man, that we talk about where... Undeniable. Yeah, I mean, like, other than the Allman Brothers, there was no real sound that was derivative to that, like, Southern rock style that wasn't full-on exactly country. Like, Leonard Skinner's... I mean, because even Allman Brothers were more of, like, a jam band. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have that direct, like, just three, four-minute long song that's just, like, hard-hitting rock and roll. And, like, Leonard Skinner is just another unique, unique sound.
0: Like, when you think of Southern rock, you think of Leonard Skinner. It's the first band you
1: think of. Oh, yeah.
0: Like, honestly.
1: Yeah. Like Maybe, like, Mountain. And just, like, when we talked again about, like, going back to, like, real talented musicians, like, these guys, when I, the documentary that I brought up before, um... When I uh, if I leave here tomorrow, and it's just amazing, like hearing about these guys like just recording in this fucking shack. Ronnie Van Zandt is sitting down by the water. He hears the fucking instrumentals, boom, lyrics come right to his head. Yeah, natural. Then they're in the recording, and it was all natural talent.
0: It's just crazy, dude. And like their their whole story is like one of like insane folklore. It's kind of like it's kind of like the not exaggerated version of like this is Spinal Tap, pretty much. Like even even almost famous. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously there was like the plane scene in that movie, but I mean like, it's almost like that. It was like a band that like worked, but there was like tension within it. And it's almost like the plane crash was kind of like this, like pivotal moment where it was like, you know, it's either like all or nothing at this point. Yeah. And I mean, granted, I I'm not too familiar with the, like the second era of Leonard Skinner with Johnny Van Zant singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't say I'm familiar with it, but from the live videos that I've heard and seen of him, you know, singing the older shit, like, they're still an incredible
1: band. Yeah. But it's just a shame though, too, because uh when Stephen Gaines joined the band, um, and then he was obviously on the album Street Survivors, Mm -hmm. and he was obviously part of the crash. Him and his sister who was a backing vocalist were, you know, among the two between him them and Ronnie Van Zant who died. Um it's, it, it was just amazing because, you know, Pronounce Leonard Skinner, Second Helping, um, I forget the name of the third album before Street Survivors. And then Street Survivors comes out and like you could see they were really on like that consistent. Like they were going to yep. be another one of those bands that were going to continue to put out like consistent, consistent music. Yeah. Um, and they had it. They really did. They it just had a very unique tone, a very unique sound. yep. Um, it was a very appealing type of music, especially for like rock and roll in general. Oh, and their 100%. shows, I mean, they fucking blew The Who out of the water twice. I mean, yeah. That's, <laughs> you know, you're opening for The Who as like a no name act, and then boom, you're like, <laughs> like, people are leaving after they just saw you.
0: Yeah, exactly. That, that's just so funny. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's wild. Um, but then again, it talks about, too, um, you know, Ronnie Van Zant um it's funny with the between his band members there's like a lot of controversy with uh ronnie van zant like why he used to drink and the way he used to get you know they all used to get fucked up uh the one guitarist who left it was the same way that was the reason why he left yeah he go and deal with the personalities in the band and it's funny because when you think of like artists right we know so much you know we know so much about their personalities what we see in the media yeah um and then some guys will could fly under the radar and you don't really know if it's good or bad to operate with certain musicians yeah exactly you know and like talking about personality types and things of that nature and you know bring up just to start um i was going to talk like you know one of your favorite artists for instance ozzy Osbourne. yes you know um ozzy osborne gets a lot of flack um gets a lot of negative attention, especially in the early years for like, you know, the type of music he was putting out. And this goes coincides with Marilyn Manson. I'm gonna kinda of run these two together with, you know, you have artists like Ozzy Osbourne with the whole like you want know, to talk about folklore with the whole bat situation. Yeah, exactly. The drugs he took. You know, when they did the whole Osbourne show and just made mm-hmm. him look very just Strung out. It's Strong out, just yep. nuts. I mean, and it's funny because you don't really get to hear about any of those things. And when his bandmates talk about what it was like to play with them, it was fucking great. Yeah. You know, but it's like, again, this is like music that was put out, like, created like a wave of controversy where it was like satanic. Same with thing with Marilyn Manson, where like the Columbine shootings were like, yeah, on it, Marilyn that was Manson. wild. Yeah.
0: And then you know, I mean, even at that point too, um, Eminem even talked about that in yeah. multiple, multiple songs and even multiple interviews. Like I, I what what's the line in "The Way I Am"? It's blame like, it on, uh, yeah. Maryland. He's like, when the kids getting bullied and shoots up the school and they blame it on Maryland. The way with
1: the parents, yeah. <laughs> it's
0: just wild. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't caught it yet, our topic this week is going to be uh, controversial figures in music. Yes. Now. I feel like the whole controversy stirring around Ozzy Osbourne, like in the early days was like, I mean, he was like in the press known as like that crazy guy. Like he was like that crazy guy up until the bat thing. Then he was the crazy guy that bit the head off a fucking bat. Yep. Then he was the crazy guy that snorted Nikki Sixx's piss. Yep. Or licked it up, or whatever the licked whatever it up. they Storted said. The ants. Yeah, snorted ants. Yeah. Licked up piss. Whatever the dirt said. Yeah, I don't know. I believe that was inaccurate. I'm pretty sure he snorted piss. Yeah, according to the dirt. Yeah, yeah according to the dirt, because yeah. you know that's a, such a credible source. Very very. But um, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the whole controversial thing about Ozzy was just because he was so unpredictable. Like, no one really knew what he could do or what he was going to do. So they started throwing shit out there like, oh, suicide solution. He was the reason why these kids committed suicide. It's like, well, if you actually listen to the fucking song, you would know that's not what it's about, period. Yeah. And then, oh, he's a devil worshiper. And it's like, well, he walks out on stage with a cross. Yeah. Like, not upside down cross, not, you know, inverted or whatever. He walks out with a legitimate cross on him. Yeah. And it's just like, I think what the whole idea was and the controversy surrounding him was just because people didn't know how to take him. Yeah. You know, it's, I yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the only thing I can get. They just didn't know how to handle him. Yeah. Because he was just known to be like that fucking crazy guy. Yeah. But going into crazy guys. Mm mm-hmm. We're gonna take this to a turn, like fucking well, well past Ozzy's capabilities of
1: crazy. Mm. And this is somebody. Oh, before we go into that one, let's start the tone here. I know you're probably gonna mention uh, one of my favorite scenes of the punk rock genre. Yes. So let's start first though with Iggy Pop, right? (laughs) So Iggy Pop, before he spawned what the next individual we're gonna talk about, like Iggy Pop was considered like very provocative and controversial like throwing peanut butter out in the crowd and yeah. cutting himself on stage and like the same thing with like Sid Vicious and like that whole punk scene and stuff yep. um, and as a result of this we spawn into the uh, late 80s early 90s where we're introduced to a man by the name of Jesus Christ Allen simply known as G.G. Allen here's the funny thing about G.G. Allen right let's start first his music's not that great okay no there's a few good songs that I quite enjoy by G.G. Allen but overall discography the man's not going in any awards, put it this way. Um, but Gigi Allen <laughs> the way I actually found Gigi Allen was my friend when I was about like uh I want to say eleven years old or so I was like, yo, you have to see this video of this dude with his little dick out on stage and shitting and eating it and throw and I'm like no, this is not all happening in one <laughs> video. So of course we had to make the YouTube account where you had to say you were above the age yeah. of eighteen, which I lied. Um, and we watched this video and sure enough, there's Gigi with his baby dick and pooping <laughs> on stage and just, you know, having a blast. And it's funny because Gigi Allen um like went on to become like this moniker of like Gigi versus his birth name, which was Jesus Christ Allen, which is super weird. Yeah, um and well, then they his changed parents were kind
0: of crazy too, weren't they? His
1: dad was fucked up, his mom was pretty uh pretty out there, but she wasn't like his dad was like totally like a fucking deadbeat, yeah, yeah. piece of shit. And um you know, he really runs this whole scene of like, you know, this is rock and roll. He pretty much was like trying to say like this is rock and roll, like absolute freedom. Um you come to my shows, you know what to expect and people or not you know, expect. I, yeah, and like people <laughs> are getting punched in the face and um, you know, p- eating shit and he's throwing it at people, Shurping bananas up his ass, sma- bananas, yeah, smashing sticks. bottles on his head and, you know, just all the while full on naked, um, Gigi <sighs> Allen, as a result, dies of a drug overdose shortly later. No. Um, yeah. Sorry. No. It's, it's come so on. so shocking. Yeah. The man used to- opioids
0: i'll never forget Drugs. like watching the first videos i've ever seen of him and just going yeah. like
1: what the fuck yeah and it but it's again he was on jerry springer and yeah. like had this whole like rationale of why he was and acted the way he did and um it's funny because like G. G. allen's kind of like the polar extreme on taking like music to a different level of expression yeah right and then you can also think, and I bring up uh, when like Mike has been on the show, and like if cameras were involved in during times of like the seventies and the sixties and stuff, like yeah. how much shit you probably would have actually seen or been a part of. Because one of the most controversial figures outside of Mister Allen here, I mean, and you want to say in namesake alone and the amount of credibility would be Michael Jackson.
0: Michael Jackson. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have Connor here too. Yeah you know, fight against us.
1: Yeah. Using and, this as absolute free time to not necessarily fully defend the man, but oh, give him no, the credit no, I mean, it's necessary.
0: It's, you know, it's inevitable that when you talk about Michael Jackson, you're, uh, you're going to talk about the allegations and everything, yeah. but at the end of the day, you can't take away what he did yeah. and his contributions to music. You really can't, dude. It's, it's like the fucking Dave Chappelle skit. He made thriller. He made thriller.
1: Yeah, for real. Like, like that's, that's, like, it. that's it. Like, sorry, you d- he did something so good that at any point in time, like, it's not, not going enough- to be eclipsed. Yeah, it can't
0: be. Like, Michael Jackson could have went on a rampage and like in a mall and just went postal and killed people. Yeah. but he'd still be known for Thriller.
1: <laughs> when you put something like a landmark that is Thriller. Out into the world, Thriller. into the ether, into the universe that will forever ring in people's ears. Yeah. You just... You can't deny something like that. You know, it's like... Impossible. Using him kind of is also the same thing with, like, Eminem. Yeah. You know, like, Eminem was highly controversial. Especially in the early days. Oh, yeah.
0: You know, uh, rapping about beating up his wife
1: oh, and yeah. killing his mother. Yeah, they called the it horrorcore. And whole horror core. Like yeah. His whole genre was, like, horrorcore. Like, they had make it...
0: It's like like in the beginning, dude. I think what the major thing with him was was the whole Slim Shady moniker. moniker yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that was like hit. That was like the reason he was so controversial. Yeah. Like you listen to any of the other songs, but the second you get to a Slim Shady song, yeah, is when Shit gets, gets fucking crazy. Yeah, like cutting people up with chainsaws yeah. and you know putting his wife in the trunk and like my dad's going crazy. Yeah, in general just sinking whole the car with yeah. the with his wife in it and. Like, dude, even the song Kim, like, that's yeah. just crazy. And, you know, like, um, with the whole... he, I think his whole... The whole controversial thing with him is he knows how to get under people's skin. He knows how to, like, piss people off. And he's able to do it in such a way to where it's like, yeah, I'm doing it. And if you don't fucking like it, then... Suck my balls,
1: and then he'll turn that into a rap,
0: and everyone be like, "Oh yeah, that's great."
1: It's just um, so we're gonna have a little poetry time here. (laughs) Some Eminem. Put it this way, Eminem is a pop figure. You could put him as literally, if you want to say, in the sense of pop culture, Eminem was literally the shit from like late nineties, like all the way through like the mid two thousands was literally the icon. But it's funny because here's the thing about Eminem. My dad's going crazy off the Eminem show. Okay. We're familiar with this song. Just to show you like of a mainstream artist, like imagine a mainstream artist now. And this song was on the radio and was it was it? highly edited because I remember <laughs> they, moved, they made like baby noises and squeals and like yeah. weird noises to edit it. But like listen to the, like, the lyrics. Fucking brains, brawn and brass balls. I cut them off and I got them pickled Pickle-off. and bronzed in a glass jar inside of the hall. With my framed autograph sunglasses with Elton John's name on my drag wall. I mean, the this was on the radio. Like yeah. and it's funny because again, there was so much heat for like the music that was out at that period of time. But here's the funny thing about like with the controversy. A lot of these artists appear to appeal to a younger generation. Yeah. I mean, you could have said like Nirvana was controversial. Yeah. You know, and it was just appealing to a generation of people that are Tired of listening to the same things, tired of staying in the same lane, tired of like going outside the yep. lines for the sake and Eminem wasn't doing it for a shock value. Well, that was
0: the best part about it. He was like controversy on top of controversy too, because remember the whole like um like he's a homophobe thing, like and this is like before the whole LGBT yeah. LGBTQ movement. Yeah. Like he was labeled as a homophobe forever. Then he had fucking L. 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 John come John. out with him, yeah. And, you know, the whole woman beater thing and not for nothing. He wasn't doing anything different than any of his predecessors had done before. It no. was just because he, he was in the limelight. Yeah. Yeah. Because he easy. was so fucking popular.
1: Easy target.
0: I mean, just his lyrical concept and content alone is enough to fucking just completely destroy anyone else's career.
1: But if you think about <laughs> it too, because um, he really is like in the same line as like the bands of the 90s that were able to break through to that like absolute creative like individualism and like changing a sound where Eminem really put it out there and that like you could be super controversial with your lyrics and still become a top selling artist.
0: Oh, absolutely. Because you
1: think about any and it even goes back to any of the other rap scene where it's like the controversy where it's like a lot of these guys were legitimate drug dealers, legitimate murderers, you know, and they're putting out songs, you know, and it's funny because nowadays with like the controversial aspect of it where you have, you know, like bobby Schmerder, the dude who went to prison because he literally rapped about a murder in his fucking song yeah you know it's a little bit different because these guys were out there to understand the loopholes and the style but it's like again when they're putting out music it's like do you want your kids to listen to this do you yeah. want your kids to follow this do you want your kids to believe in this it's the same thing with like youtube trends now you yeah. know like i saw this like recent thing where this dude was doing like backflips in front of like oncoming trains oh my standing god Standing the platform like at the edge of the pl- and it's like but then you spark an idea where people will try that you know same thing with music but again that's where it's like it doesn't come down to the artist it's like more so of who's listening to the artist. yeah exactly you know because you're not going to sit there and say like oh biggie created drug dealers biggie created murderers you know m&m created woman beaters and m m created you know
0: homophobes homophobes
1: you could say yeah yeah
0: yeah, I I don't know. It's just so crazy. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, music is all to interpretation. And I mean, I guess you get out or you get in whatever you put out, or get get out whatever gets put in, or whatever. You're but, fucking that all. Yeah, I'm fucking. it yeah, all Yeah, that up. was weird. But you know where I'm going. I with get this. what you mean. It's all you know. It's all up to interpretation and how you take a, and how you take these things. Like, do you really think Ozzy Osbourne bites the head off fucking bats all fucking day? Yeah. Like, do you really think fucking. Marilyn Manson really sucks his own dick because he took his fucking two bottom ribs out. Yeah. Or, you know, do you really think Eminem fucking puts Kim in the trunk of the car and yeah. fucking, like plays Let's Drown the Bitch?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because um like this goes even further in the sense of like um like when even when you had like people like Lane Staley, for instance, like Lane Staley was just a very dark person and the whole yeah. album dirt is just sad depressing the
0: whole album is basically about drug use literally yeah
1: you know but it's funny because again it's like you can make these songs if it's in a tasteful way to understand like even like the velvet underground yeah the velvet underground and nico was a hated fucking album because it was all about death and drugs yeah and like at that time like that was fucking crazy like people weren't making music like that in the 60s let alone even become popular you know and now it's like the people today with artists cuz you even have like artists like Lil Wayne yeah like Lil Wayne and all these different artists who get like this reputation and this style for being popular based on their songs and it's like they don't really know the individual and then they get a lot of controversy in the news Um, I remember even Drake. Drake had a huge level of controversy. Millie Bobby Brown. Oh yeah yeah, that old shit. Where he's like courting like young girls and like befriending young girls Now now
0: he's with Billie Eilish
1: That's what I've heard as well and now she's 18 so it's like that was the same thing with like Millie Bobby Brown where it's like you know there was always scenes like texting and very personal and it came out it's like oh it's just Friendly, but it's like we don't know these people.
0: Exactly. Like Drake,
1: to most people, is a very calm-headed, funny, like Post Malone type individual. Upper middle
0: class individual that got to star on DeGrassi. Yeah, upper middle class. <laughs> He's upper middle class, dude. Well, no, no. Like should, when he when he grew up, I'm just saying it's yeah. just yeah. He, he didn't start from the bottom of shit. Maybe yeah. from the bottom yeah. of the deep end of yeah. his pool, <laughs> that he his ground pool that he had at his home <laughs> as a child.
1: Yeah. Not in the hood. Yeah, he was the first one in that blue collar neighborhood to have an ingram. He was the rich kid in the neighborhood. Yeah. We're gonna pool. go to Drake's house. Yeah. He has the in ground pool. He's got an N sixty four. When you're pulling in more money than your parents, yeah. and you're still a minor, there's probably something you're you're no longer middle class, but <laughs> not even close. Mom but,
0: Dad, you're still middle class.
1: Um but even like uh like I said, with like like these newer rappers today, um and it's a shame because a lot of the controversy like that's surrounding today is not so much of like what it's a shit. All right. So like well, how we mentioned Eminem and like Marilyn Manson and like the music they put out and like, for instance, like a school shooting happens and like, you know, in Columbine and then everyone wants to blame like because they said the kids listen to Marilyn Manson. We're going to use this as an excuse. Yeah. You know, if you think about the level of kids out there today that drink like Promethazine or like take Xanax or like get fucked up because of all these like lean drinking, you know, mumble rappers out there that take fucking Zane. They call it like Zane. they like you know, I drink my lean and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's like, think about the amount of kids that you're influencing to act that way, but but it doesn't get the same level of attention because Columbine's a little bit different than fucking Bobby over here drinking promethazine. Yeah. You know, exactly. it's it's fucked up because you know, it flies so under the radar of like the level of controversy some of these artists like really put out there today that doesn't get the same level of attention because again, it was easier with someone like Eminem.
0: You know, and it's also crazy too, because we didn't we didn't even touch it, but uh even Elvis Presley yeah, like huge. He, he was huge. That was like that was more like the
1: first, like, you know, the way he danced. Like yeah. The super provocative dance style.
0: And it's funny because you think about it and like, I mean, let's be real. We've all seen the Super Bowl halftime show this year. Yeah. Elvis Presley couldn't touch that. No. Like, just think about that. Like, think about like how, like all these people that we've just talked about. Think about where like the controversial Artist had started basically with Elvis Presley, yeah, and look at how everything progressed until now. Elvis Presley was pretty fucking
1: tame at this pretty point. Pretty fucking tame.
0: The, Elvis Presley, yeah. Back Elvis Presley then,
1: was like a Catholic nun. Yeah. Elvis Presley
0: then is equivalent to like the Wiggles now.
1: Pretty much. Yeah.
0: Pretty sure the Wiggles move more than fucking. It, Elvis.
1: Speaking of that Super Bowl halftime show, um, it is super convenient. Yeah, you know, and I don't want to beat a dead horse because it's been a little bit after the sec- uh after the fact. But you know, the people that like complained about this, you know, highly and being how you know, this is a family event and blah blah oh blah. But it's like Adam Levine. Shirtless. Got to dance around shirtless last year with no qualms whatsoever. It's just, it's like people get to pick and choose, and the problem exactly. is, social media it gives everybody a, a voice. voice, and some people really shouldn't. Like you can exercise your First Amendment rights. Be my fucking guest. We do it every Monday, absolutely, and I totally, <laughs> highly agree with that. But again, I'm not going on here making stances that are completely hypocritical. Yeah,
0: that's just ridiculous.
1: Like, and there's no way to judge the level of consistency if Barber's out there complaining about J Lo and Shakira, but the barber complaining last year about adam levine well
0: barbara's just mad because she can't shake her ass like them yeah pretty much that's fucking barbara's problem yeah, barbara yeah, some, like 50 year old herself. like
1: middle class woman that is like jesus christ looking at j-lo at 40, 50 and yeah 43 right? <laughs> barbara can go suck a dick and barbara <laughs> just hasn't made dinner yet she's <laughs> just behind schedule and upset yeah
0: she's just mad because her husband was watching. her husband's
1: it. out there watching while she's keeping roast beef hop yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> honey when are you gonna learn how to do this Honey, grab me another bud.
1: <laughs> it's gonna be a long one.
0: You know, honey, dooly dooley. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but seriously, it's it's just, it's funny because people get to pick and choose, man. And it's just you know it was easier back in the day because um think about how much has been done. Like when you mentioned Elvis specifically, think yeah. about how much has been done now mm-hmm. that people are just okay with. Like it's even movies, like how gory movies have become. Some of these movies, if you try to show them back in like nineteen sixty, holy shit! NC said like banned in all countries, like it'd be nuts. Like,
0: could you imagine if like Evil Dead came out in like the sixties?
1: Well, yeah, you know, yeah.
0: That movie's pretty fucking gory. Yeah, or like uh, I don't know. Let's pull something like even goofier. it like- to this.
1: Rob Zombie's remake of the Halloween, right? Oh shit! Let's say that one came out in the '70s and Instead not the original. the original. Instead of John Carpenter's. Holy shit! That guy would be banned all over the place. Yeah, people would probably be would like be arrested all over for place. like snuff movie like type attitude. You know what I mean? Like it would just be yeah. so fucking profound. And now it's like it's grown. Where that's why the it's Super just Bowl the, halftime the
0: show de- is de- Desensitivity. desensitivity yeah
1: yeah the desensitizing that's been yeah underway. desensitizing yeah but it's, it's pretty much what it like is that super bowl halftime show There's like are you fucking it. kidding me where it's like um what about like, when, what, like your 12 year old probably sit there watching you tell me your 12 year old doesn't have a cell phone you don't think he's scrolling on porn hub when he ain't looking barbara <laughs> are you fucking kidding me well all right
0: barbara what about when
1: you thought it was awesome when
0: justin timberlake was there and ripped fucking exactly you know uh janet jackson's titty out yeah like what about that yeah was that a problem then
1: I bet it was probably a problem for both uh, of them. Yeah, I bet it was a giant yeah, problem. I mean, but <laughs> it was like pretty much a problem for almost everybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, debatable in personality takes, but at the same time, for the <laughs> network's uh, opinion.
0: But compared to Shakira and J
1: Lo, yeah, yeah, and I again, I, I don't want to get and political hold on. At let, all, but- let's
0: fucking let's just say this right here. They had like three costume changes each. Yeah, like that. I mean, that takes some talent. Yeah. Like, like that's some serious shit. Yeah. And they're going to fucking get on there and talk some bullshit. Yeah. I want to see you change your clothes in fucking 10 seconds. Yeah. Skin tight fucking body suits and shit.
1: Yeah. I just, I it's just, it's, again, it just like, that is a prime example when you say like the evolution of like desensitizing yeah. you know, the masses where it's. You know, you f- pick and choose what you're going to be upset about because if you're yep. telling me that that Super Bowl halftime show was so controversial to the extent that you could have an issue with it, but everything else, they're like they're on like the news, like the shit they talk about on the news yeah. is like more controversial than that show in general. It's just stupid. Yeah, but but yeah, that about wraps it up. I mean,
0: I guess to <gasps> I guess to an extent here, I feel like you know desensitizing like took place and it kind of made shit more okay and now i feel like we're kind of working in reverse yeah like you know yeah i mean i feel like we got up to a point where i mean I'll, i'm not gonna say Gigi allen at any point was ever acceptable yeah i don't
1: even think gg allen will go over today no i don't no, think no. that would be a level of desensitizing where it's just acceptable to like have Gigi allen selling out madison square garden <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's possible could you imagine just like uh <laughs> one night only yeah one night msg only. GG and the jabbers. There's just like a
0: fucking <laughs> there's like a fucking like box above the whole oh, stadium Jesus. and she's like clicks in it's just shit. Just diarrhea. Out, just diarrhea yeah. just comes out. Yeah. Oh God. But yeah, I mean I just feel like I just feel like with the way that social media is like you were saying earlier and stuff, I just feel like we're almost working in reverse because everyone has such an opinion now and everyone has yeah. fucking feelings.
1: Just the and, availability. Yeah, yeah, I
0: mean I guess what I'm trying to say is if you're looking for real deal, honest shit, you're already here. You're already listening to this podcast. Follow us. We'll lead you into the right direction. Let's let's desensitize everything. We're the Illuminati. <laughs> we can say that because our co-host isn't here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I just feel like what? Yeah. I just feel like the sense desensitizing and everything. I just feel like that's a, just a major major component to how all this shit is like okay now and like how it's a kind of a joke but it's like we just said i feel like we're working in reverse because of all the all the social medias and people being able to have opinions it's also bullshit. again like going
1: back to like the I eminence mean, an easy target yeah exactly it was on a national stage mm-hmm. many people saw it you know and not for nothing i
0: mean i'm just gonna say it here on the air because i don't think i've ever said it here when are we going to get Metallica to play a halftime fucking Super
1: Bowl show? Jesus Christ. By the time Robert Trulio is the only existing member. Yeah, right? Yeah.
0: Like, dude, come on. Like You think about it, like Aerosmith and The Who, fucking yeah. Madonna,
1: whatever, Prince. Speaking of Prince, that was probably the last real good halftime show. I agree. Yeah, that was an excellent halftime show.
0: Like, When are we going to get Metallica? Like, yeah. Dude, they, they put on a fucking good-ass halftime show. <sighs>
1: yeah. I would even like Pearl Jam up there, to be honest Pearl with you. Pearl Jam be good. Yeah. Just, like, I don't know. Someone that appeals to Lots. us. Let's see what happens next year. After this shit that just happened, they're probably going to try to steer away just for the sake of being, depending Leonard on, Scannard. obviously, what happens in the world. Yeah, Leonard Skinner reunion. Leonard Skinner the halftime ah, show. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't even know how I feel about that. I mean, I would it'd be cool, but... It's yeah, like I mean,
0: because well, I think we're like running out of like no, they'll probably do some
1: stupid Foo shit Fighters, like the police or something. Pearl Jam, oh yeah, those like classic bands, mm-hmm.
0: they're probably gonna go classic route Jesus unless Foo Christ. Fighters puts out another album.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Pearl Jam would make make the cut. New album coming out. Let's just throw Lamb of God up there.
0: That would be fucking awesome. That would fire everybody, dude! Up. Are you kidding? That'd be fucking sweet. That'd be firing everybody up. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Last week, we uh, suggested for you guys to watch the documentary Sample This. This movie, um, or documentary rather, it chronicles the song Apache by the uh, Bongo Band. I, I forget what the actual name of them is, but um, yeah, it's this song has been referred to as the most sampled song like of all time. Mm-hmm. Like the dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, jump on it. It. yeah, oh, and right. I'm not even gonna lie. I didn't watch most of it. I made it like thirty minutes in, and I had to shut it off, yeah, it was just too like like around, and like there just like wasn't like a flow at all, like it starts off with Robert Kennedy getting assassinated, <coughs> and it's just like, what does this have to do with the fucking song? <laughs> it's like, oh, well, then the guy that was the brother of the sister-in-law to the stepsister of his bodyguard decided he wanted to do music. And it's like, what?
1: All right. So you know what we'll do here? We're going to make this movie a non-applicable. First time we'll rage against the mainstream. Yeah. We don't even have enough insight to be able to review this movie for you guys because it is exactly. not worth that much time.
0: Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 93%. The audience score gave it a 63. Which is ironic. Yeah. You know, but. Um, IMDB gave it a 6.4 out of 10. Yeah. Um, Ebert dot com Odie Henderson says For a documentary filled with such joyous Danceable beats there's still a note of Sadness playing through sample this And Mark Jenkins from the Washington Post Says this movie provides a vivid Sense of the period as well as some intriguing Backstage look at the making of I- Improbable pop classics Like I said I couldn't make it Through about a half hour Um, So yeah this is going to be a non-applicable Um like I said, I, I don't like to give things like bad reviews. That's what I'm saying. Still we should just, we're going to give it,
1: we're going to give it a NA. 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 It'll be the first time. be the first time here. But you know?
0: yeah, I mean, if you want to give it a watch, I mean, uh, I, I like to say, I like to think that I have a pretty good, like fucking like tolerance for bullshit and this just didn't like this broke my threshold.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: Like on my bullshit meter this fucking this broke the gauge. <laughs> this broke the gauge. <laughs> A little truth tree moment. The truth tree moment. I fucking didn't like this at all. Okay. And like the the people they had in it, like to do interviews and shit, like Questlove was in it and shit. Yeah, like yeah. I was like, man, this could gonna be fucking
1: good. Yeah. Like I'm excited. I think Questlove's actually on the like cover. Like when you go yeah. click on it. Yeah. And I, like, it was an appealing pick, yeah.
0: Like I was just like, man, this is this is gonna be good. Yeah. And I know this song too. This is going to be great. Yeah. And it's just like 30 minutes in, like I I and it was 2 hours long. <laughs> like dude, I maybe I could have went in like an hour and like seen if it was any good. Yeah, it got. But I think from all Couldn't the shit that we have threshold. done so far, yeah. like, if it's not good within yeah, the first done 30 minutes, Yeah, we've done some pretty bad, bad
1: movies. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. 27 going Too Soon was super fucking bland yeah. and generic, but I, Kurt, fuck Devil at, the Devil at the Crossroads. I suffered through the whole thing, yeah. Like,
0: yeah, I, I, we're to the point now, we're going to be raging against the mainstream on this fucking shit. If it isn't good within the first 30 minutes, we're done. Yeah. We're not even gonna fucking play games. <laughs> Connor would probably be happy to hear that. <laughs> Thank God, but um, yeah. Do you have any uh... suggestion of the week?
1: So, because we talked about it earlier with Lamb of God, um, I'm actually going to recommend that last release with Chris Adler, which is the cover album Legion XX under the moniker "Burn the Priest." Nice, um, Lamb of God's original, uh, you know, name before they realize that that's not as appealing commercially. Burn the <laughs> priest um, the song I'm recommending though is because it's all a cover album is track two which is the Melvin's cover of Honey Bucket
0: nice yeah so this week I'm going to suggest the anthrax classic off the album State of Euphoria Antisocial
1: that's really fucking weird dude because I said to myself if we were going to record two episodes yeah that's literally what my pick was going to be <laughs> literally what yeah dude
0: i i was fucking around on spotify and i was listening to children of so Bodom's fucking skeletons in the closet yeah. and obviously they did antisocial yeah. it was good and i was like i want to listen to anthrax one and dude, then i so got into good. it and i was like state of the is
1: probably debatably my favorite album by then yeah dude it's so good like among the livings very good but state of you like be all end all oh and fuck yeah, so, yeah dude be all, be all, be all, be all. so good this week
0: we're going to suggest for you guys to watch the Luis Valdez classic La Bamba. Um basically this is like I I guess you can kind of consider this like one of the first biopics. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, this is um biopic that follows around Richie Valens mm-hmm. basically from like his start as, you know, like a teenager working in the fields and I believe it's Texas or Southern California, I believe. I'm not sure. But it goes from this all the way until his untimely death at... uh, I forget what age he was, but he was still a teenager. He had only been popular for like eight months before his death. Yeah, the day the music died. The day the music died. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely something to check out. Extremely good film. And this is definitely something we're going to get into in depth and not just give it an N.A. because we couldn't make it through 30 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) But um, yeah, that about wraps it up for this week. This is Rage Against the Mainstream signing off. I'm Bill. I'm Steve. Have a good night, guys. Thanks for listening.